0: Howdy.
1: Howdy. See, you did it again. I did it on purpose.
0: Back to the norm. Mm Mm-hmm. Does everything return back to normal eventually? This is episode number
1: 43.
0: Hello, this is legendary voice Alvin Sheen. It's another Friday before sunset, so please sit back or lay back and enjoy a breath of life for the next 17 minutes with your host, my friend, LeFou and A.
1: There is what was. One doesn't return to that. You keep moving forward and you are evolving in some little way every single moment.
0: Wouldn't that be the same as making America great again?
1: That's why I had a problem with that old campaign. Like, do you want to go back to the way? I didn't. Some people did. Some people were more comfortable when black folks couldn't vote and women were in the kitchen and couldn't get abortions. I wasn't. I was happy to be moving forward where everybody could vote, where I could marry whoever I wanted.
0: Trump came in on a platform basically of like, the world is wrong because there's a black guy in there oh, it's not that he's black, it's the fact that he's a Muslim. That's where the problem is. And a lot of people are like, I don't want to be racist, but he's a Muslim? That we hate.
1: It was an easier bite of cake, wasn't it?
0: He tried to come in the idea that he was a populist president. But the stuff that he was looking at was the good old-fashioned American hate speech. Trump was the most anti-president we have. (laughs) It's been a long time since the president said, hey, build a wall, we want to separate those from us. We want to put a ban on these Muslim people because we're a Christian nation. And we want to blame China. We could have stopped this pandemic ourselves, but we're going to blame it on somebody else. And so on and so on and so on and so on. The virus killed Trump. Besides the fact he got sick, which was just pure karma and irony, it also killed his presidency. I think his numbers dropped and never recovered from white evangelical males who got him in office, kind of turned the back on him. I think Biden kind of came in on the platform of, We're going to make it like before Trump was here. Really? You're making America great again
1: now? I think that campaign worked really hard to try to get back to some stability, which I think people were interested in. Stability as far as our relationship with the world. And now they're making it very clear with their um, build back better. So they're trying to split the difference for people who maybe are not as comfortable moving forward really rapidly. So there is some looking back to draw from past experience and history while trying to keep an eye on the future. Howdy. Howdy.
0: We're doing it again. We went back to what we perceived as normal. These guys did something that we felt very comfortable with. Let's build back. Build back. The one campaign that I have to say I really respected, Andrew Yang. He was about one thing. Forward. What a concept. Let's not keep thinking back. Let's think forward. Yeah, agree. We have to move forward. Automation is coming now. UBI is necessary. And that's why Andrew Yang didn't win.
1: There's this problem of centralization and centralized control, whether it's within our banking system, our political system, our economic system. A small group of people make A lot of important decisions for the majority of the people they are beginning very slowly to lose their centralized control the central bank is struggling mightily against cryptocurrency which in general is decentralized right right I think there's the potential for a lot of things to become decentralized in the next couple of years it's probably the thing that frightens both parties most, and perhaps is why the Biden administration is looking back while trying to move forward because they don't want to lose their centralized power.
0: We don't have a lot of centralized power. We only have centralized power. We have a political system that is a head tail coin. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party and the Republican Party have their primaries on the same day for a reason. They split the cost. They don't let the libertarians in. They don't let the Green Party in. They don't let the Social Party in.
1: Don't forget that state by state, so it's not true in every state.
0: Show me a single state where all four parties or five parties have their primary together. And this is the reason why Janet Yellen is so against cryptocurrency. I think that to move forward, things have to become decentralized. Andrew Yang was just too much of a forward thinker. He was the first one screaming UBI that we've heard of. Obviously, Dr. King was talking about it and others in the past have. And the second the pandemic hit, what was the very first thing that we had to do? Stimulus checks. Except who pays for the stimulus checks? Nobody. The government does. They just print up more money. Where Andrew Yang actually had a plan for it. There shouldn't be the responsibility of a centralized government to pay for that. That should be decentralized. It should be spread out. It should be for big tech and the corporations to be taxed, and that money pays to cover this cost. If you're automating your jobs away, then you should pay an automation tax, and that tax should go toward a UBI. What we need more than anything is to have more decentralized leaders, people that are thinking outside the box. I don't think Biden's that. Biden is as old school as it got. He's part of the old establishment. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going to happen with who's in Congress. I'm looking at the squad, as they're called. Some of them are doing good, but are we going to be able to get those old pillars in there out anytime soon? What do you think about the idea of term limits?
1: Well, we have them.
0: Pelosi's 81. I think she's been in office like 30 years now. So what's the term limit? Like 60 years?
1: Obviously, the president of the United States is limited to two four-year terms. Vice President of the United States is unlimited four-year terms. State government offices in some but not all states are term-limited. The House of Representatives, two-year terms.
0: They have two-year limits, just like a Senate has six-year limits.
1: But unlimited number of times they can run.
0: That's what I'm thinking would be a solution
1: I think that people don't realize that they can just keep running and keep getting voted in. I mean, we begin to see it like, wow, that person has been my congressperson for a long time. That's interesting.
0: I think it would prevent corruption a lot. Uh, yeah. They get in office and they get to know certain people. As long as you give them the money and they can keep winning, they can keep putting your agenda on advance. And that's how lobbyists really influence Congress. Lindsey Graham was part of the impeachment process for Bill Clinton. And he's like, even the look of deceit should be reason to be impeached. All of a sudden, Chunk is in there. <laughs> he's like, no, I know I said that back in the day, but I don't believe that anymore.
1: Decentralizing a government. How does that happen? Revolution?
0: It happens by getting more political parties in. In my opinion, one of the very first steps would be the Republican and the Democrats have to share that primary. You can no longer have a monopoly on the primaries. Any party that wants to run during the time has to be included. Not a new day. Nope. The same day.
1: I think the problem there is that the smaller parties have a problem affording to pay into that primary system, right? It costs a lot of money to add people to the ballot. Yes, they should be on the ballot, but how do you make it possible for them to participate without bankrupting them?
0: It's a four-way split.
1: A four-way split isn't equitable because... They can't afford that.
0: The next solution, Andrew Yang was saying, we should have it so that everybody in the campaigns can have advertised time. To do that, the government would have to say, look, you're going to have to give this advertising time, and the government would pick up some of that cost. In that same sense, the federal government has to pick up the tab for the states to have their election cycles.
1: Isn't there a constitutional divide there that you can't cross over?
0: I don't see why there'd be a problem with the federal government picking up the tab. They're not intervening with it.
1: Each state gets to decide how they run their elections. So you could have one state that says, we're going to make our primary voting system nonpartisan and everybody dumps in money equitably. So if you represent 25% of the population, you pay for 25% of our budget. If you represent 2% of the population, you drop in 2% which would then be equitable. But that would have to happen state by state. And each state is either red or blue. Those legislators are not going to want to play that game. Well, they're not going
0: to play the game because they want to keep their party in power. Exactly. So We're right back to square one. Yes. We have a centralized political system that's so entrenched we can't get rid of it.
1: Yeah, so I go back to revolution.
0: Revolution sounds all well and good until you see bodies in the street.
1: I'm not saying revolution is good. I totally understand the price one pays. I don't see another way to get out of it. And I also don't see the United States having its own revolution again.
0: I think if voting was online and on the blockchain, I think it would reduce overhead tremendously. And that might be one of the solutions.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much it would cost to run that authentication Obviously, you're not doing it every single day, so your processing power only needs to exist during the voting period.
0: With the current system, I don't know how much it costs to do the voting. We're never going to get any change if we can't get other groups in there. There's no way for another group to get in there right now if they can't even get onto a ballot. I agree. As long as you have a Republican and a Democrat in office, I don't think that's ever going to happen. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's just going to be a bad ending because we couldn't come up with a solution. Isn't that why the Civil War happened?
1: Will you tell me why wars happen?
0: According to Klausowicz, wars are an extension of politics. When people can no longer talk and you have leaders who don't know how to use words and how to be diplomatic, then wars break out. Why did the war with Iraq happen? Because George Bush didn't know how to talk. He didn't know how to say, hey, Saddam, let's have a talk. I'm coming to the country, let's see. Holy mackerel, you really don't have weapons of mass destruction. Well, we almost started a war with you. I'm I'm glad we didn't. I mean, he listened to Bolton. Bolton had it completely wrong.
1: So diplomacy is the most critical aspect of government. If we found a way to have diplomacy within our own political environment within the United States, diplomacy between different parties talking to one another, that would avoid the war of words, ultimately the war of revolution. How do we create diplomacy between Americans in an incredibly divided or what feels very divided culture?
0: At one time, I would have said, listen to more progressive voices. Bernie Sanders was a voice of reason to a degree. You would think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would be a progressive voice of reason, but she's not. She goes so far on the opposite end that she isn't able to talk in a bargaining or reasonable manner with others in Congress. And so you just get these deeper and deeper and deeper divides. It's going to be about personality, charisma, about getting a leader in there that everyone listens to. Leader in where? Anywhere. It could be in Congress. It could be in the Senate. It could be in the Oval Office. It could be a governor that starts talking to people and all the other governors say, we agree. It could be a mayor of a city that unites every mayor in that state. Then that state's governor listens to him. And then all the state's governors unite mayors go to their congressmen and say, hey, look, this guy's right. Let's implement this program. Now, all a congress is together, which would be a change. And then to go to the Senate, which is the biggest drag normally, when you can get the Republicans and the Democrats to agree on something and say, you know, "This, this mayor's got a very solid point. And now they're all agreeing and they all together go to the president and say, every single senator, congressman, governor, and mayor agree on this, sir. The president's gonna say, Let me talk to the guy. And then he talks to the president. It sounds so simple, but we're so far from that.
1: What you just described is like some kind of weird, perfect world. Diplomacy is people talking to each other, giving and taking, and making concessions, making demands, and having those demands met with a counter-argument, and then coming to a solution that both can agree upon. It's not that everybody agrees on the one same thing. It's that everybody agrees on the compromises to the original need, whatever that original need was.
0: And that is a very small, strange world. We don't agree on anything but this one point. On this, we all agree. We can sit and we can celebrate and we can all agree. And that's what you need. You need that person that can see that, that can say, okay, look, I'll give you that. I'll give you that granted, but this is what I'm going to need. Can you can work with me on that. That's what diplomacy is. A real good diplomat can do that. That's very rare, and that's why we have war.
1: So perhaps we need to educate ourselves and our kids how to be diplomats.
0: That's exactly it. That's where it begins. It begins at home. Imagine a kid that can unite his whole family and all of his neighbors, and then their entire block gets along, and their whole community is one. That's the kid we're looking for.
1: How is that staying decentralized?
0: That kid gets online, and he talks about it on his TikTok. And then every other kid sees that and goes, you know, I can do that in my town. And they all start doing it. And then all over the place, when they meet up, they'll have one thing in common. Hey, we all do this. For example, Bitcoin is decentralized. You can talk to somebody in China. You can talk to somebody in Russia. You can talk to somebody in Pakistan. And you get along about nothing. You start talking about Bitcoin, and the conversation changes like, hey. This is the one thing we all agree upon. Mm -hmm. So decentralized doesn't mean that we don't agree. It means that we agree on the one thing. It's just that we all have to work at it together. So it's back to that. If you find that one kid that can do that one thing, it is decentralized when everyone else in every other far portion of the country, or first in the city, then in the state, then the region, when they all do it. We just think on a world scale for it to be decentralized decentralized voting isn't going to be on a world scale no it's going to be every american is involved in it and that's it's still decentralized right or it could be one of the communities involved in it we're close to having this because people are finally starting to talk about it Mm -hmm. this idea wasn't even thought about when i was a kid
1: no not at all
0: the more you talk about things the more eventually somebody brings into the reality it'll fail the first time just like jumping across a rooftop in the matrix no makes the first jump right but then the next time it'll happen after a while it'll become the norm
1: we've been slowly evolving toward it right ever since the western world finally understood that the earth was not the center of the universe we're slowly having to understand that everything in nature is decentralized and it kind of shifts the way you see the world And hopefully it begins to shift the way you expect your world to function, whether it's politics or your food chain or chickens and bats.
0: Leave my chickens alone.
1: (laughs) You're terrified of losing your chickens.
0: And don't eat the bats.
1: Don't eat the lettuce.
0: Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out.
1: Have a blessed Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom.